Thanks, Shane. Thank you very much. It's the Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Dermot. Good afternoon. Wasn't Elizabeth lovely? Uh, she gave Joe a run for her money. Uh, how are you? 51551 for your texts. You can send us emails to ray at rte.ie and Boris Johnson is uh, in trouble. He's in trouble. And you know you're in trouble when the country's two top entertainment presenters are having a go at you. I'm a celebrity. I'm talking about Anton Deck. And they were talking about what has now become this infamous Christmas party from last year in number 10 Downing Street. It is all change in come now, though, because yesterday the celebs chose a new leader via the gift of a secret vote. And that means David's reign is over. Ah. But they weren't celebrating. No. They didn't have a party. They categorically deny any suggestions that they had a party. <laughs> and this fictional party definitely didn't involve cheese and wine <laughs> or a secret Santa. Evening, Prime Minister. Hey! For now. For now. Oh. Anton Tech, wow. Uh, and he, he has apologised and all of that. Um, sounds like a cover-up. Good news, good news. Mike Ryan from the World Health Organisation has come out uh, this afternoon and is talking about Omicron, uh, the new virus which we don't know an awful lot about yet. Uh, he says it's likely it's more tran- transmissible than previous variants. Uh, it's also highly unlikely, he says, and this is the important, highly unlikely to completely evade vaccine protections. He says the preliminary data doesn't indicate that this is more severe. In fact, if anything, the direction is towards less severity. Uh, We have highly effective vaccines that have proved effective against all the variants so far in terms of severe diseases and hospitalisation. And there's no reason to expect that it uh, wouldn't be so for Omicron. He added, pointing to initial data from South Africa where the strain was first reported. So that's, that's good news. They're not definite yet. They don't, haven't seen all the data, but that's good news from a man whose voice we respect, Mike Ryan from the World Health Organisation. Um, it's coming to the end of the year, so you're going to get a lot of this stuff. Um, 2021's most mispronounced words. The problem with mispronounced words is you do it and you might mispronounce them yourself. But they have given us uh, uh, phonetic representations of the words. Chugi. Right? It's a, a slang term used to describe and dismiss anything seen as hopelessly uncool or unfashionable. Yeah? Uh, Dogecoin, spelled D-O-G-E-C-O-I-N, the cryptocurrency popularised by Elon Musk. You can see why that would be mispronounced. But Glasgow, Gla- like Glasgow is Glasgow. Unless you're from Glasgow, then it's Glasgow. But I didn't hear this, probably wasn't paying attention, but during COP26, both Joe Biden and Barack Obama mispronounced Glasgow. So this is Mr. Obama. Glasgow. Right? Glasgow. Moscow. And then Joe Biden. Glasgow. Glasgow. No, it's Glasgow. Glasgow. We knew what he was saying anyway. And still on lists, we have to say congratulations to Catherine Corliss. She's been listed in the BBC's News 100 Inspiring Women list for 2021. Uh, Isn't that brilliant? Uh, and they have a citation there. This amateur historian investigated the deaths of 796 children at the Bonsecour Mother and Baby Homes in Galway, conducting years of painstaking research that helped uncover a mass grave at the site of the former Irish Institution for Unmarried Mothers. Uh, and uh, she's, as we know already, she's received the Bar of Ireland Human Rights Award. She recently received uh, a Red Cross Award for her work, and now she's on that list. And half of the BBC's list this year are women from Afghanistan. Uh, and that's to recognise the great upheaval that has happened in Afghanistan in 2021 and the contribution that women have made to society there. So, th- so that's that. And Catherine Corliss is in with them, which is, which is great news. And congratulations, Catherine, if you're listening. Uh, somebody up in the office, it being Fiona, spotted this in the Irish Times announcements page. Uh, my wife is fascinated by this. And it's the first thing she goes to on a Saturday morning. That reads the, the births. Uh, it's, it's there near the back of the Irish Times on a Saturday morning. Anyway, this was from last Saturday's. McEnroy, Connor, and Suad are delighted to announce the birth of their daughter, and it goes on. Da, 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 da. Anyway, uh, the, the big thing here is that uh, <clears throat> she is the first female to be born to the McEnroy family since the 1800s. Now, can you beat that for a record? Um, 
So Mona Dinah Zineb McEnroy was born on November 24th and she's the first female to be born to the McEnroy family since the 1800s. That, that's a mad record, isn't it? Um, we got unsalted butter into the office yesterday. Yeah, Why am I telling you that? Well, it seemingly Kerrygold didn't do it before. Now they're doing it and sent us in a, a hamper of stuff and the ingredients to make white chocolate and cranberry cookies. Now we get loads of things into the office but I thought seeing as they've given us the ingredients I'd cook them. So did that last night brought them in and they got the thumbs up from everybody here. White chocolate and cranberry cookies using the unsalted Kerrygold butter. Uh, So I'm going to pass something on to you now seeing as they've given something to us and that is the recipe for the white chocolate and cranberry cookies that are delicious and they're quite uh, seasonal and festive as well. Um, So that's up on our website. Um, there's something neat, something about the, the sort of the tartness of the cranberries and the sweetness of uh, the white chocolate and the rest of the cookie that, that works really well. And of course, cranberries say Christmas, don't they? So that's up on our website uh, if you want to go to that. And a quick reminder as well while we're on things Christmassy um, about our big Christmas thank you and thanks to everybody who has sent in nominations already and they've been coming in. Um, and it's it's a very popular thing because we're giving you the opportunity to say a big thank you to somebody in your life and it could be somebody that did something particular this year or somebody who's just been there all your life and supports you it could be a member of your family it could be a friend it could be a neighbour it could be somebody in the community just to give you an idea last year uh, Joan thanked Deirdre for looking after her mum in her nursing home Sally nominated her sister-in-law Anna who was her knight in shining armour, bringing meals every day when they didn't have a kitchen. And 15-year-old Gráinne surprised her mum, Marie, uh, who's an ICU nurse. So they're just an example of some of the things we did last year. So you send in an email, tell us about the person as much detail as you can. We'll go through them uh, and we'll get a short list. And then next week, uh, we'll do one a week or maybe two uh, and we get you on the phone uh, and, and then we talk to you a little bit don't give too much away because it's going to be a surprise you've helped us uh, line up the person that you've nominated on the other end of a phone line we ring them surprise them tell them not to do anything weird because they're on the national airwaves they get over the shock we read them the email so keep that in mind when you're writing the email that we will be reading the email live on air to the person you've nominated Uh, and then thanks to our friends in supervalue.ie Uh, who want to help share the magic this Christmas. We have a wonderful prize pot, cash pot, uh, and we'd be able to purchase bespoke presents for the people. So it's it's a lovely Christmassy thing. It's warm and fuzzy. uh, And we've been doing it for 10 years now. And and it's it's a very popular thing. Thank you at rte.ie. Thank you at rte.ie for your nominations. And as I say, as much info about the person as you can, please. Uh, now, I'll tell you about our quiz in a moment. Um, no, maybe I'll do it now. I'll do it now and then we'll play some music. Yeah, yeah. Reeling in the ears. Um, uh, you know what we've done? We've gathered up bits of songs, news reports, TV shows and movies and we're looking for two people, two people to come on after four o'clock to answer three questions each on the clips you will hear. If you opt for a short clip, you get two points. If you go for a long clip, it's a bit easier, so you get one point. And whoever gets the most points at the end of it all wins the prize. Uh, And uh, today, it's a cliff gift of a relaxing break in the five-star Cliff House Hotel, an intimate five-star hideaway carved into a cliff in West Waterford set against the backdrop of the striking Ardmore coastline. Uh, During your two-night break, you can enjoy breakfast on both mornings and dinner on one evening in the bar restaurant. And uh, this Christmas, gift or even give the gift of an experience to look forward to with tempting vouchers for luxurious stays and experiences in the award-winning Cliff Hotels, restaurants and spas. And you can go to cliffhome.ie to see Cliff's full range of stylish and thoughtful Christmas gifts and vouchers. Cliffhome.ie So, two people, uh, but first you have to answer our qualifying question. It's an easy one. Boris Johnson is back in the news today. What number on Downing Street does he live and work in? Boris Johnson back in the news. What number on Downing Street does he live and work in? 0818 715 925 0818 715 925 That's our new number 0818 715 925 Catherine is in, is in the top 100 She should be in the top 5 Says that person Well they, they don't It's not in any particular order uh, So she could be in the top 5 She's definitely in our top 5 That's one thing for sure now, this one. Yes. 51551 Ray at RTE.ie. John and Louis 
Stop the Cavalry on RG Radio 1. And Hastings has been on. She says, uh, thanks so much for the advice on winding up the Christmas lights on the RT guide. Hassle-free putting up tree and unwinding the lights during Storm Barra. Suzanne. And I have to share a Christmas light story with you. We have the outdoor ones. We've had them for a number of years. White ones that go across in under the gutter. And then a couple of years ago, I was getting, you know, bit bored with that so I said I'd expand my outdoor lighting and I got another strip of coloured lights which I put on a sort of a tree bush type thing uh, it's not a tree and it's not a bush it's halfway between them and I used to just you know throw them around and it was fine but this year I thought I'd get more creative so I had a piece of eight foot wood uh, about two inches wide I don't know why I had it in the shed so I thought I know what I'll do I'll, I'll create a Christmas tree in the tree so I cut the eight foot piece of wood in half and nailed it together and then on the ground I put the lights around it so it looked it looked like a Christmas tree with lights on it you see um, so I put it up into the tree all going well but then you see there's a, a number of lights that you have to can't involve in the tree because you have to get to a, a source an electricity source so there's a bit of a trail of lights out of it so anyway I thought I was, I was happy with myself it wasn't dark yet so I couldn't see it in all its glory put it up there you know very proud of myself the other way you do you stand back and you look at your work and you go oh yeah that's a job well done that's a job well done anyway later that evening when it was dark uh, my wife came in in fits of laughter wondering what was that in the tree and where was it pointing to was it some great philosophical question of mine that I was asking the question of what's up there or was it some sort of instruction to Santa uh, or signpost or something like that so I had to go out and look at it and uh, and then I laughed because it does look like an arrow pointing you know with a trail coming out of it some sort of rocket type thing It the last thing it looks like is a Christmas tree so I offered to take it down and uh, Jenny said no you will bring merriment into people's lives and I said if you mean people are going to be laughing at me that's probably factually correct so we've left it up and Barra didn't ruin it either. Uh, you need uh, to up the baubleness. That was one of my least favourite Christmas songs, says John. Oh, sorry, John. Um, thank you for playing that wonderful song. You see, that's my favourite Christmas tune. <laughs> you can't please everyone. What's the number to enter the quiz? I, I, I don't have it off the top of my head. I have the other one, but I'm not going to confuse things, so I'll just refer to it here. 0818 715 925. 0818 715925 and uh, we're looking for two people to come on after four o'clock and answer three questions on three clips and win that lovely prize down to the Cliff House in Ardmore in County Waterford. I'll give it one more time. I'm sort of trying to learn it off here by rote 0818 715925. Right. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Email ray at rte.ie The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Now, we had a lovely chat yesterday uh, with John Egan, former Westmead footballer, and his father-in-law, Ollie. And uh, last month, uh, at the beginning of November, Ollie donated a kidney to John. And they were telling us the story, and it was lovely. Um, Anyway, I forgot to mention at the end, uh, which is something I mention every time we have that sort of a chat, is that it's important that you have a conversation with family members about organ donation because ultimately if you die tragically they will have to decide so it doesn't matter if you do the thing on your on your uh, driver's license if you have uh, a donation card a donor card that really doesn't matter if your family go against it so you have to express your wishes to your family so in the event of a horrible tragedy that they will know your wishes uh, and hopefully your wishes would be that your organs would be donated uh, and you be able to, although, you know, you would be able to give life to somebody else. So I forgot to say that yesterday, so just thought that. And if you didn't hear it, lovely chat. Go, you can go back there and uh, download it as a, a podcast. Now, Erica Fleming. We've spoken to Erica a good few times on the show um, uh, over the years, and, and you'll know her. She, she was uh, in emergency accommodation, and then eventually she got uh, her own place with her daughter Emily, and, and and she studied at Trinity and all that sort of thing. She put up a tweet yesterday evening, um, and it was a picture of her fry-up dinner in the midst of Storm Barra. Perfect comfort food, looked lovely. Couple of fried eggs, couple of sausages, some rashers. Lovely, lovely. But then <laughs> there's this substance. That's all. The only way I can describe it, Erica, on one side of the plate, it's it's a grey beige runny mixture of some type, and it looks like sludge. 
So, so Erica caused her own storm or her own Twitter storm because uh, everybody wanted to know what it was, what's it doing there, and why does it look so awful? So, Erica, Erica, good afternoon. Hey Ray, how are you? Good to talk to you under sort of these circumstances. Yeah, <laughs> so, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so it all looked well up until this this thing. It, it's. I don't upset people who may be eating, but it, it doesn't look appetising to me. No, it doesn't. It, when it's in the pot and you're cooking it, it doesn't even look appetising. Right. But it's the taste of it that is delicious. Right. And all it is is runny white pudding. Runny white pudding. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how, do you, how do you make it? Uh, so, yeah, you use randy pudding. I mean, Annie said that I say. You know, make sure that everyone knows it's Rambi white pudding that you use. You just slice it up as if you were going to fry it, but you throw it into a pot with a sip of water and you just keep stirring it until you get the consistency that you want. But it's runny white pudding, so you have to keep adding water in to make it a bit runny. Okay. So it's a bit, it's a bit sort of more runny than porridge, for example. Is it? I'm asking you. I've never made it. You, you, you had it on your plate. You ate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, porridge. You can eat porridge like kind of thick, or you can make it really runny. So it's to whatever your preference is. Yeah. Are you on? Are you on earphones or something? Or can you? No. 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 Just, just make sure your mouth's up to your the, your phone oh, there. Sorry. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I'm just looking at the what the ingredients of white pudding. People know white pudding. Um, it's not black pudding. It's white pudding. Uh, it, modern recipes consist of suet or fat, oatmeal or barley, breadcrumbs, and in some cases pork and pork liver filled into a natural or cellulose sausage. And there's obviously loads loads of seasoning as well, isn't there? That's the thing. Yeah, calling out those ingredients there and it sounds absolutely horrific. <laughs> I don't think I'd eat it if I had it like a review. That's what it consisted of. Where, <laughs> so your mother obviously because she was on to make sure you said the right type of white pudding. Has no, this, it was my nanny. Your so nanny? It, oh, it right. started with my nanny. Right. Like I've been having this for 20 years. Okay. It was something that my nanny made and you always had white pudding, the runny white pudding with... Um, <laughs> with turnover bread from Super Quinn. Right. And did you ask your nanny where she got the recipe? Well, it's not yeah. much of a recipe, really. You just put no. it in. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did bring her, though, because people were asking me, where did it come from? I actually thought it was a Dublin thing. Yeah. But it's not. Uh, well, it turns out it's not. People are like, no, I'm from Dublin. I've never heard of this before. So I rang her. And basically she said that my granddad's mother, yes. so that would be Granny Smith. It started with her, and then they just carried on the tradition through down down through the years. And where was she from? Um, Dublin. Oh, Dublin. So it is a Dublin yeah. tradition, right? Okay, uh, uh, and it is called runny pudding. It's, is there any other name for it? Well, no, that's what she called it. So she'd say to you, "Do you want a bit of runny pudding and turn over bread?" Right, right. <laughs> and people are absolutely horrified. My brother cannot believe that I'm sharing the family secrets, the family recipes. Because he's like, that should just have said in a household. But now, obviously, I've, I've put it up there on Twitter for everyone to see. Uh, and what have people said on Twitter? How have they described Jeroni pudding? Um, one of the favourite words that people have used is scutters. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, and look, it does look like that, doesn't it? I can't disagree. I can't disagree with the people on Twitter yeah. today. No. But, Ray, if you've never tried it before... My nanny has offered to make it for you. Right, well, it doesn't sound like... It sounds like I could do it myself, and thanks to your <laughs> granny for that kind offer. So, I, look, I'm the type of person who, like, I made cookies last night because I got some unsalted butter. So I will do well that done. this evening. I, I will I will make some runny pudding this evening. I will put it to the test. And I'll report back to our listeners tomorrow. And just so everybody knows as well, there will be more people eating it because Miss McGee in Macy in Chicago Secondary School is going to allow me to teach the children how to make it. <laughs> and how did that come about? Because I texted her and said it to her. <laughs> and do you teach there or is that what? Oh, I'm teaching English and... Oh, are you? Yeah, oh, I am a dude. That's brilliant. Yes. <laughs> so how did it feel the first day you stood in front of a class and, you know, Miss uh, Fleming? Did they call you Miss Fleming? Yeah, that was something that I kind of had to get used to really quickly. Yeah. 
Yeah, because obviously I'm Erica to everybody. So Miss Fleming, they just normally they just call me Miss now anyway, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. and they're great kids, and I I love my students. They're super, yeah. <laughs> and I love doing it. It's not, it, like your life has changed so much, hasn't it? In the last, is it five, four, or five, 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 five years? years. Five yeah. years, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely has. Yeah, done the full circle. Yeah, and how's Emily? She's great. She's in there having her eggs and toast now. And does she like runny pudding? That's her favourite. That's the whole reason why okay. I posted the picture yesterday. Okay. It's because Saturday she tried to make it herself for her breakfast. Right. But she put too much water in uh-huh. and it just wasn't right. So yesterday she said to me, will you make us that? I'm dying for it. And I was like, right, okay, I'll do it. And my brother's wife won't allow him make it. Why not? Because it kind of has a smell that sticks to things in the house. <laughs> and obviously it doesn't look great either. So he only gets that at Christmas time when he goes over to my mother's. <laughs> You're really not selling it. You're really no, not selling it. I know, I know. You have to taste it though. And then Emily took that photo yesterday and sent it into my family WhatsApp group, tagging my brother in it saying, haha, like I'm having yeah. runny white pudding. Yeah. Just to make him jealous. And then I was like, I'm going to stick that up and see if other people feel... And do, you, as we do. Do, you, do, you, do you spread it on a piece of bread? A piece of toast? Well, each to their own. So I don't yes. eat toast with it. I just cut the sausages off and the, the egg and the egg has to be runny. So everything is just kind of in a mixture because right. it's all going into one hole and then just shovel it in. Whereas <laughs> other people like to use toast and like kind of lap it up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I said, my granny used to say it all goes down the one way, but you say <laughs> it, it all goes in the one hole. It's a variation on the same theme, yeah. Okay, right. Well, we put it out there. I, I'm, I'm intrigued because we, oftentimes when we mention, you know, uh, things, food things that sound yeah. like they're mad, people go, oh, yeah, I had that when I was a kid, or I had that. I, I, I don't see any text coming in about runny white pudding, but it, it's early days. Oh, here you go. Yeah. Uh, the runny here pudding comes from a time when money and food were short in supply. The reason the water was added was to make it go further. Yes, well, that makes sense. I am so glad you're after saying that because actually when I was talking to Emily about this, that's exactly what Emily said. She said, I bet you any money it was because people didn't have any money and they needed to feed a load of kids. There you go. Yeah. Very bright, your Emily. Yeah. <laughs> Taken yeah. after her mother. Okay, <laughs> we, we, we'll see how it goes and I'll do it tonight and I'll report back. Uh, great you to talk to you, Erica. pudding now, right? <laughs> What's the name of the pudding? Granby pudding. Granby. Oh, yeah, Granby pudding. Yes, yeah. I hope they have it in the local supermarket. Granby pudding. Okay. Right, and that's your nanny's instructions. Okay, see, Erica. Mind yourself. Yeah, bye, bye, bye. Oh, there's another one there. My father used to make his runny white pudding by cooking it in candy sauce. Uh, which unfortunately you cannot get anymore. Now I'm intrigued. What is candy sauce? There, it sounds like it's sweet, but maybe it isn't. Uh, five on five, five on Ray at RTE dot IE. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio One. Text 51551 The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1 Yeah, or ray at rte.ie We're joined in studio by Ola Mustafa uh, Ola is a mother of three who's been in Ireland's direct provision system since 2014 but two weeks ago after eight years she finally got a decision on her application to remain in Ireland with her children and Ola is in studio with us Good afternoon Ola Good afternoon Ray Good to be uh, good to see you again Yes, and it's great to see you under different circumstances because yes. you are well your status in this country is different since the last time we spoke. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Okay. Yes, yeah. So you uh, got a letter to say what? To say the minister has now approved my application for subsidiary protection and that was the most wholesome news of my life. I I, I didn't even know how to react. I was I was uh, a bit, um, how would I put it now? I was... I was happy and I was sad at the same time because I, I waited my whole life for this. But I'm I'm thankful for, for the journey up to this point and it's just been like a compensation for all the troubles and, you know, yeah. all the weight and, and all that. A yeah. long wait, isn't it? Long... It is, it is, it is. Will you tell our listeners, because I, I wasn't familiar with the, the, the phrase subsidiary um, protection. Okay, so we would often joke uh, amongst ourselves that refugee status is the gold yes. and subsidiary protection is the silver uh-huh. and the leave to remain is, is the bronze. Okay. So subsidiary protection is a, a, like a lesser version of refugee status. So, so what um, can people who have refugee status do that you can't do? So people with refugee status can apply for Irish citizenship after three years 
and they can also they also have a, a TRC like a, a, a passport that you can use to travel around which I'm not entitled to okay. but we are both entitled to family reunification uh, program so okay. we can bring in families that we included in our application to come and uh, live with us in Ireland okay. uh, and the big thing is of course you're out of direct provision oh god that, yeah. that's it yeah and, yeah. and we spoke on the TV back in 2019 as part of you You wrote for a book called Correspondences yeah. which was put together by uh, Stephen Ray and Jessica Trainer, uh, and we we spoke of that and, and you were lucky enough if you can be lucky in direct provision because you ended up in Ballyhonus and it was it was a house as opposed to some place like Mosney yes it is, and I kind of like Balihonis. I was speaking to someone the last time that she was asking me, where would you like to move to when you're out of here? And I said, I'm a mayor woman. I'm not moving out of mayor. And I would count myself lucky because the hostel I happen to live in is not run like a direct provision centre. So that's why you barely hear of any complaints coming out of Balihonis, aside the fact that oh, Bristock uh, yeah. gets a lot of money from the Irish government. But the, the, the place is run like, uh, like a family centre. So it's more like you're... you're your life is not like hard as other centers where the managers will make your life miserable. Mm. You can walk into the reception and talk to the manager. He's always there to listen and all that. So I've been just fortunate to... But still, you you, you got very limited amount of money. Yeah. Uh, you can't have visitors in, can you? And it's it's a remote place. The travel traveling around is still it's still a lot of hassle, especially yes. for those of us that have children. So at the end of the day, you, you just end up living all your life in the in the center. You know, okay. who wants to waste their their uh, little stipend on traveling around uh, the country? You know, yeah. it's it's quite expensive. So. And it is small. So you get what um, thirty eight eighty. Thirty eight eighty, and the and the kids get twenty nine sixty. Right. So you you know how much the total is then? What is the total? What is the total? <laughs> oh, so the, the, the What's total the total? For, What's the total yeah, between for the four myself, For myself and my kids, we get 128 uh, euros. And that's, it's still something. But yes. then it's still, it's, it's still it's nothing if you, if you look at it at uh, uh, the, other, the other end. Because my kids are now, when they, were, when they were younger, we didn't really have much needs because, you know, you're buying them toys and all those simple things. But now... Yeah. My my first is in secondary school now, like, and he like, wants to he wants to dress up like his friends who are Irish, course, you yes, know, yeah. who are putting on nice things, uh, you know. Gone are those days where you could walk into pennies and buy him five pairs of trousers for fifty euros. <laughs> he would take it, but now no, he wants that one pair of trousers for uh, yeah. one that the Adidas and the Puma and, and, and stuff, the Jordan you know? Air or yeah. whatever they're called. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah that's what he wants. Yes, uh, and we we were talking to Conor Pope um, on Monday about the average cost of Christmas for an Irish family oh. of. Of five, you're four. It's one thousand four hundred seventeen euro, I think. Um, did I not tweet about the the Christmas list yesterday? Or was it was it on my Facebook page? Did you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They gave me the Christmas list, and I, I told them you you have to go and sell me your auction me. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's no way on earth I'll be able to afford this. Even despite the fact that I I, I am working now, yeah. uh, I still won't be able to afford all all that they want. Okay, uh, and because you got a subsidiary protection status, you can work now. And and you were able to work a little bit limited sort of work before this. Um, and you also uh, can now leave direct provision. You can get your own house. You yes. can apply for HAP. Yes. Um, all of these things. So list them all then. All the things okay, you can so do now. The next step. I'm still waiting for the ministerial letter. So what I got was a notification that the minister has now granted my my status. So I still have to wait for her, like a confirmation of that status. So I'm, still, is... I'm still waiting now. So when it comes, I will then go to the GADI GN, to apply for a GNIB card, which is What's like... What's a GNIB card? So a GNIB card is like a, a card that confirms your, your status in, in Ireland that you're illegal uh, resident. It's more like, like the PPS card. Okay. But yeah. So then I would have to apply for HAP, which doesn't come on time as well. It takes a lot of time. So... And then I'll have to start looking for a house. And if I'm fortunate enough to find a landlord who would um, uh, be willing to give his house to somebody who is on the housing assistance scheme, then I can leave the reprovision. But if I am not able to find a landlord who is willing to uh, collect uh, or give his house to somebody who is uh, collecting the housing assistance payment, then I'll have to wait for as long as, you know. 
So with HAP, they get paid by the local authorities, Mayo yes. County Council in this case, yes. Uh, yes. and then you pay them whatever's decided, yes. depending on your means. Yes. That, that's how the HAP works, yeah. Um, so just let's remind people about your story. You're, you're here since 2014. Yes. You came from Nigeria. Yes. Um, and I know you don't want to give too much details of why you left, but it, it was it was a very ugly situation you left to it come was, here. And I was talking to the person that called me the other time that I don't... Most of why I came here has to do with my, my the father of my kids, but unfortunately he passed away in March, so I don't want to talk about anything that has to do with him. Okay. I want to, you know... Yeah, so I, I, understand, that I understand that completely. Of, yeah. I understand that completely. Yeah. And you came in here and you were in uh, Finglas, in, in Director yeah. Provision in Finglas for a month, and then you were, went over to Mayo, and that's where you've been ever since. Yes. Um, and you have... What did you do in Nigeria before, just career-wise? I had a small business I was running, so... It wasn't. It wasn't a big, a big uh, business. Just a small uh, self um, business that has to do with selling food items and clothing and whatever I could lay my hands on. You okay. know, just to keep okay. body and soul together. Okay. And and you got a qualification of any description? I do. I have a BSc in political science from from Nigeria. From yes. Nigeria, yes. right? Okay. So you you were well qualified. Yeah. You came here, and so for the last eight years, you had to put your life on hold. But you but you didn't really because no. you decided that you were going to prepare yourself for yes. This day, yes. whenever you got out of direct provision. So how did you prepare yourself? So when I came in 2014, we weren't allowed to go to school. So it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't really have anything to do. So those two years of my life, you know, trying to figure out what to do with my life, where the, it was the, the toughest years of my life. But in 2017, after the Brian McMahon report came out, I was able to go to school. I did... Um, I did a FITA course in community care. But I do tell people, not all of us want to work in, in healthcare. So I, I really didn't pay much attention to th- that, that course. I just I just did it just for doing sake. And then I was going online on, just looking around online one day, and I found the advert by Equal Ireland. And they were advertising this course, uh, Business Enterprise and Community Development for women who had been out of education for a long time. And so I, I called them and asked if I would, uh, if they would, yeah, yeah, would allow me on the course, and and they they granted me that spot. So I I, I did that, and um, in, and where was that based, Ola? In Galway. Okay. Yeah. So I it's a good I, old I was, trip from Ballyhonas to Galway. Isn't I do. I, I travel on the bus. Right. I travel on the bus sixty four route to, to Galway. It wasn't that easy to because the, the transport was it was a mess. Most of the time I have to leave class early or else I would miss the last bus. So yes. it was they understood understood my situation. So they would let me go. And in twenty eighteen I applied for a masters and I didn't get the spot. In twenty nineteen I tried again. I didn't get the spot. And right. in twenty twenty I applied. I said I was going to try the last time, and I got the spot to uh, study my masters in. Gender, globalization, and rights at NUI Galway, and gender, globalization, and rights. And rights. Yeah. Okay. So this year I graduated. I finished my masters and I finished my uh, BA degree as well with um, Equal Ireland. It was um, certified by uh, Atlantic Institute of Technology, now TUS. So you can say I was running two degrees at the same time. Yes. Then. It was. It was. It wasn't that easy, but I, I got it done. So now. So so you, you're Ola Mustafa, then a Bachelor of Scientific Politics from Nigeria, then yeah. a BA and an MA. Yes. So you have a number of letters after really? your name. Yeah. 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 Um, congratulations. Thank you very much, Ray. Thank yeah. you. Uh, so so you're well qualified now, and you're ready to go. Ready to roll now. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, what's the ambition now? I know. I know all that stuff about getting a house and all that. That's you know, that's a priority. But when all of that is settled sometime next year, hopefully early next year, what do you plan to do? Uh, I would like to do anything that has to do with human rights or work in the community development sector or anything that has to do with women's rights or women empowerment. But uh, because I'm, I want to settle down in Mayo, I don't know how feasible that is because a lot of the organisations that does what I want to do are based in Dublin. Mm. And I don't know how you people survive in Dublin. I'm sorry, Dublin people. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite expensive. I yes. can't survive in Dublin. It's yeah. busy. It's a uh, fast life. It's too... I, I can't just... Having lived in the rural area for in the last seven years, I can't, for the life of me, survive in, in Dublin. So I don't know how that's going to come about, but I hope that I'm able to, to pull it off as usual. Yeah. How did the children feel when you told them you got the letter? Oh, my goodness. The the younger ones came back from school first and I was asking them, oh, guess what happened to the And they're like, um, did your friend have a baby? A friend of mine is expecting a child. And I said, no. Um, did you win the lottery? I said, no. 
And then when I told them, it was it was it was the happiest moment of their lives. My youngest was he was jumping and asking, "When are we moving out? Are we moving to our house with the upstairs and and blah blah blah?" <laughs> but the, the eldest one, when he came, he wasn't really you know he's waited all all his life for this, and he just said, oh, "I've waited all my life for this. Congratulations, mom!" And and what the, age is he? He's twelve now. Yeah. Yeah. And so the discussion now in my house is: so when are we moving? Are we moving out tomorrow? Are we? Did you find a house? Yeah. It's not that easy. It's <laughs> transitioning into the mainstream uh, mainstream marriage society now is another phase entirely. And yeah. but now at least you know the paper is there. It's just you waiting for the next phase to. And and do they have male accents? I don't know what accent they have though. Because <laughs> when you said what bus, is, when you said bus, it sounded pure Mayo there, pure West it? of Ireland. Yeah, when ah. you said bus, yeah, yeah. I know they they do have uh, Irish accent, but I wouldn't be able to identify if it's a Mayo accent or it's uh, I don't know. Yeah. When was the last time you saw your parents? Are your parents still alive? They are. Yeah. yeah. That would be when I when I left. Yeah, eight years ago. Yes. Yeah. And this, the prospect of me seeing them next year is just been. Ooh, I don't want to cry now. <laughs> I, ca- I can't wait to see my mom and my dad. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. She, she's been calling me now and asking me, so when are you coming to get me? So are, are you coming <laughs> to get me now? I'm like, oh, don't worry. You, you went away. You went away with my, with my children. Like, oh, okay. I'm an adult who I need to chase my life and, and make a life for myself. Or I'm, I'm, you know, fingers crossed now. I hope that the family reunification works out in, in their favor and they're able to come and at least visit and yeah. see their So, their, so their, your their new kids. status allows for family Fa- reunification. Yes. yes. So um, that spouse doesn't matter. So it's, it's, uh, Younger siblings under eighteen, um, and and does it? Unfortunately, involve... I, I don't have any any no, younger siblings no. under the ages of eighteen. And all... does it does it include parents? I think it does include yeah parents or the grandparents. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yes, yeah. yes, they would be your children's grandparents. Yes. yes, yeah, yeah. So that's that's very exciting. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see my my mom especially. Oh, she's yeah. on my neck now, asking. So, are you coming to get me next year? Now, I I hope so. I hope so. Let's just. Would you feel any pressure, Ola, now to represent the people who remain in direct provision? You haven't been there for eight years. I would say the fight is not over. The fact that one person is settled does not mean, you know, you have to, you're gone, you're finished. No. And that's why uh, I I applaud everyone in Massey for what they do. The guys who champion this cause, are not, most of them are not even, they are no longer in direct provision, but they are still here. So the fact that I I got my status does not mean that I will stop fighting. We're still fighting. The fight yeah. the fight is just uh, just and started. It, and it was in the program for government that they're going to end direct provision by the end of 2024. I don't there know was, how that is going to come about, but I I hope to God that yeah. it comes to an end. There was a white paper published in February 20 this year. Yes. Uh, and it's very ambitious. It's it very really, ambitious. It really is. It really is. Yeah. It is. And I I I hope this system just goes away. And nobody should be made to live in this kind of uh, squalid uh, condition. Mm. The history of direct provision in this country, it's it, it's in place since 20, the year 2000. So it's 21, 21, years. 21 years. And I suppose the fear at the time was that uh, our system here was attracting people. Wasn't that, that, that was, that's why it was put in place. So th- they wanted to make it less attractive. Well, they did a very good job of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say people would always, no, no matter how horrible the system is, the fact that I am going to find safety and stability yes. in my life, I would do all I can to get to where that safety is. Regardless of if you are looking people in direct for 10, 11 years, people will still come. That is where, okay. that's where they, they would find some kind of a reassurance that their lives are no longer in danger. So The statement from the government, because we put in a few questions to them today. The government is committed to ending direct provision and replacing it with a new system of accommodation for international protection applicants by the end of 2024. The process of implementing change started in February of this year with the publication of a white paper to end direct provision and to establish a new international protection support service. The white paper sets out a new model for the provision of accommodation and supports to international protection applicants. The new model will replace the current system of direct provision it is human rights centred and will be operated on a not-for-profit basis it is intended that the new model will be operational by December 2024 the transition to the new model will take place on a phased basis with reforms introduced each year between 2021 and 2024 Um, planning is also well advanced on purchasing property developing a system of income support for international protection applicants and the integration support system that will apply Uh, 
So we asked some specific questions there. Is there any update on the progress of this plan? So that's what the, has the new system for accommodation and supports for applicants for international protection been established? What stage is it at? Is the plan to have the new system fully operational by the end of 2024 still on target? So to say it is. And it is not for profit. That's a huge thing because a lot of direct provision uh, centres are set up in hotels and run by uh, private industry mm-hmm. uh, and the government are paying them an awful lot of money. So the idea is to build purpose-built places where people will stay no longer than four months before they're allowed to move out into the community. That's the plan. That's the plan, yes. And well, it sounds it sounds amazing, doesn't it? It, it does sound amazing. And it, it's it's funny how the, the, the centres that have been open now, take for instance the ones that were open in Galway and in um, in Donegal, they, they still have the management kind of system. They still have the on-site shop thing so I don't see Oh I see any, yeah. and they've been open since Yeah I, right, I don't okay. see if the white paper is saying this system is going to go away why are you still you know giving this con- contract to these uh, private people uh, private uh, owners it's still Well there's going to be a period of transition isn't there They're, you know but yeah, I, so if, I see if we, what, are, I see if we are still opening up uh, the, the private places then yeah, I, I I don't understand how how we are going to face this out. If you are facing it out and still granting this contract to to privately run business, then you're doing. There's no difference between six and half a dozen. It's still the same system that you're still maintaining. Mm. Yeah. Um. Over those eight years, there must have been some very tough times for you. Really, really tough. Really tough. When I, uh, we used to have one manager who was oh my god. I, I don't I don't like talking about him because he made. Well, don't our, mention any names, right? No, any no, times I don't either. want to get yes, in trouble yes, now. Yes, no, yeah, yeah. but he was just unempathetic. I don't know, perhaps because he didn't have the experience of working with people from diverse background. Yeah. Things that he would do that would seem normal to him were were just things that you would, you know, opening your doors and packing up your your cereal and saying you didn't finish it this week then. You are not hungry. Mm. That's my food. That's what the Irish government says you should give to me. Mm. If I don't finish one pack of uh, of uh, Rice Krispies this week, it doesn't mean I won't eat them tomorrow. You don't have any right to come in here and pack everything. But he he, he does he does that. Can I, was, can I ask you a question? A phrase that has come up time and time again on this program about um, our attitude to you know racism, etc., is that we are a work in progress. Ireland is a work in progress as a country. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been here for eight years. Have you seen any development, improvement, change? Yeah. When I came, I, I never heard any discussion around racism or things like that. We would, they would call it bullying or call it any other you know, fancy name. But now, even on, on social media, you can see how much discussion that goes on around around racism and people are calling it out. And, you know, it's um, it's been... Um, you know, people are having a kind of a, a different kind of shift in mindset. Even in, in schools, you'd see children who would call out their peers for, you know, saying all those all those words and, and things that they would normally often say, oh, he's my friend, I can say that and, and stuff. Or you'd see they themselves are, you know, calling themselves out and saying, you you are not allowed to say that, you cannot you cannot say that. And that's a, that's that's a very heartwarming to see. And I hope it doesn't it doesn't stop. I hope it, it keeps it keeps going on an on an ongoing basis and not just something that would be done just to, you know, and then in yeah. the next couple of years. It's, you would hope that, you know, when your children are adults that, you know, yeah. There will be no well. There's never I, I hope be no so racism, too. I hope so too. And I, I say it all say it all the time that I barely have discussions around racism with my children. I do tell them that they will come come across people who are not nice and people who would say ugly things to them. But I want them to experience life on their own basis and not on my own preconceived kind of idea. And that is what I, I hope that other parents could do. Not you choking them with your own idea of color or uh, sexism or, you know, all yeah. your kind of preconceived ideas of how life should look, should look like. Well they, well, they have a, an amazing role model in you, Ola. Oh, thank you no, very much. No, but they, they have, thank you know. You. You've achieved so much against the odds. Yeah. And I really admire you for and that. And I do encourage people who are still waiting in the reprovision as well. It, the reprovision is not is not the end of, of your life. You can still do something while you are waiting. Keep mm-hmm. keep going at it and we will get there. Yes. And, and, and hopefully the government will get there as well by uh, the end of 2024. They have three years to achieve their targets uh, as laid out in that white paper. Uh, Ola Mustafa, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Happy Rick. Christmas. Thanks thank for coming up from Ballyhonas. Thank you. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Tweet at Ray
Radio Ray RTE, The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. I think we're very lucky to have people like Ola in our country. Um, she's going to make a huge contribution uh, to Ireland. Um, now, uh, Alison Keating and uh, Ray O'Neill will be with us after four o'clock, about quarter past four. They're our resident relationship counsellors. So if you have something on your mind about your relationship and you want some advice, which is anonymous and free, uh, get it into us now, ray at rte.ie and Alison and Ray will give you their opinion. And, and they're, they're working in the area and it's great because they don't always agree, but it's always sound advice. Um, so ray at rte.ie if you want advice from Alison Keating and uh, Ray O'Neill. Uh, and keep those uh, calendars coming in. Just a quick mention of a couple there. There's Hilltop Sanctuary. They were in the top four last year. Uh, and um, Katrina has been on to us uh, just sending our 2022 calendar. And once again, to thank you for our prize last year, uh, they won Best Artistic Effort and they got one of those Canon cameras. Um, so the idea is that if you send it in to us, we announce four category winners and then the overall winner uh, gets next year's calendar printed by educate.ie. So you have to send us in the hard copy of the uh, the calendar to the Ray Darcy Show, RTE, Donnybrook, Dublin 4. That's Ray Darcy Show, Donnybrook, Dublin 4. Uh, now, um, yeah, Candy Sauce, um, that was mentioned by Erica there. Candy Sauce, it was spelled that way, K-A-N-D-Y. The closest thing I can think of would be Worcester. I can never say that word. Worcester. 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 Worcester, it's Worcester I'm getting. Worcestershire t- sauce, yes. That's Terence. And candy sauce was a real tasty sauce for every dish. Looked like Worcestershire sauce, but with a different flavour. We had it on chips instead of vinegar too, says Teresa. Um, we used to buy raw uh, white pudding in the pub and eat it with Guinness in White's Pub, Moore Street. Uh, long gone, says uh, Seamus. I once heard of somebody having black pudding with marmalade on toast. Raw. Uh, you can get Granby pudding uh, in their own shop on Fridays between um, 11am and 3pm. Uh, that's Anne in Dublin 22. And you can get Granby pudding in Iceland uh, Northside Shopping Centre. Uh, if I'm not able to get it, will something else do? I'm wondering. Because I'll have to try that tonight, runny white pudding. I'd be probably run out of the house. <laughs> That's what'll happen to me. I'll be running out of the house. Okay, yeah, we we have the quiz coming up, and Alison and uh, Ray. But in Ishtoshi now, the pre-scale to Nanuakta, La Eileen Nikahan. Good Eileen. Thank you very much. Five one five five one eight RT dot e. It's pronounced Worcester sauce. Uh, well, why is it spelled W O R S T E R S H I R E? It's pronounced Worcester sauce. I, I don't get that. Uh, but thanks, Alan and Ferris. Thank you very, very much. Okay, it's time for reeling in the ears. Bits of songs, news reports, TV shows, and movies. And we have two people lined up to answer three questions each. And there is a prize for the overall winner. Uh, win a cliff gift of a relaxing break in the Five Star Cliff House Hotel. It's an intimate five star hideaway carved into a cliff in West Waterford um, in the lovely village of Ardmore. You get a two night break, uh, dinner on one evening, and they want us to tell you that they've loads of ideas for vouchers for luxurious days and experiences in the award winning cliff hotels, restaurants, and spas. You can find out more at cliffhome.ie. That's cliffhome.ie. Thomas O'Connell, how are you doing, Thomas? I'm fine. How are you, Ray? Good, good. And and that's a loaded question when I ask you how you are because you're recovering from cancer. I cancer and COVID. Oh God, you poor thing. Well, hit on the double. Yeah, yeah. So where are you at now in your recovery? Um, uh, I'm nearly there. I'm uh, walking short distances and driving back again. So right. yeah, I'm 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 uh, I'm getting there. When was the worst of it? Uh. Oh, Jesus, the second time. I was in for 18 days, I think, in Beaumont. I have to say thanks very much to everyone in Beaumont. They are, uh, all the hospital staff were absolutely brilliant. And uh, during my cancer as well, uh, Dr. Quinn and his team, mm. they I got stem cells um, replacement there. So uh, right. he done all that for me. And uh, I, I tell you, I, I owe them a lot. And... Uh, but uh, I said the second time then when I uh, I was in for about 18 days and then I um, I came home for about a week and I got absolutely, I, was, I wasn't able to do anything. So 
uh, Dr. O'Brien Coonahan down to Dr. Condy then said straight into Beaumont with you. And uh, it, that was worse now. I lost me, uh, uh, I could, my breath now was okay. very, very. And what, uh, did you have, what did you have cancer of, Thomas? Uh, 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 Non-Hodgson's lymphoma. Right, okay. It's uh, blood-related. You yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, you were compromised um, because of oh, the cancer and then you got yeah. the COVID so it hit you bad. But it's, it's great yeah. to hear that you're, you're out and about, walking a bit, ah, yeah. driving a bit. Yeah. Who's at home yeah. with you? Uh, my wife Mary, she's she's here now uh, at the moment. Yeah. The rest are all uh, around. Tomas is down, and he's down in um, uh, Intel. There, he's an electrician with uh, Don- uh, Dornans. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you have uh, a daughter who's an accountant in Dublin, and you have an, uh, another daughter in Austria. Yeah, yeah. Right. She only got married there in March. There, she uh, so she got married to an Austrian. So they right. decided to go over to Austria. I, I'm sure they're all delighted to see you recovering. Oh, um, absolutely! Yeah, 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 yeah. You're up against Claire Murphy, who's in New Ross in County Wexford. How are you doing, Claire? Hi. How are you, Ray? You're from New Ross, but you moved to Waterford. Yeah, I'm living down in Waterford and working down here. Right, and you're working in the University Hospital in Waterford. I am. Yeah, I'm a secretary here in the hospital. Busy time. It's been a long 22 months, I'd say. Oh, yeah, definitely. Very busy, but trying to get it back on track now yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So. And I see here you say you're not that great at quizzes. Well, <laughs> I think I'm all right when I'm listening to them, but right. now it will be a different story, I'd say. And, and how are you on quizzes, Thomas? I said the same. All right. <laughs> all right. You're you're great. Uh, what do they call them? Armchair quizzers. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. We, know, yeah. we know the answers after the question. After the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it just it's a little bit different. You know, there's clips here. If you go for a short clip, you get two points because it's a little bit more difficult. If you go for the longer version of the clip, uh, you get one point. And whoever yeah. has the most points at the end gets that lovely prize down to the Cliff House in uh, Ardmore. You're probably very familiar with that, Claire. Uh, yeah. OK, good luck to you both. Here we go. Thomas, to you first. I can tell you the year is 2020, which is last year. And we're starting on the telly. So do you want to go for a long clip or a short clip? Uh, let me see. Uh, I should go for a short one. Okay, uh, short one. This adaptation of an Irish novel propelled its actors to stardom last year. Okay, and here is your short clip for two points. That's pretty down about it. Well, never hung out much during school hours. Any idea? Uh, uh, an adaptation of an Irish novel propelled its actors to stardom last year. Oh, the the, um, uh, oh, the two. The two. Go on. Uh, uh, some of us, not uh, not one of us. Uh, the, not the two of us. <laughs> no. Oh no. No. It's not there. No. No. Normal people. Which Normal is an adaptation people, yeah. of Sally Rooney's yeah. novel, and of course Paul Meskell and Daisy Edgar Jones yeah, became stars after it. Okay, mm-hmm. early days, Thomas. Don't don't panic. Don't panic, Claire. We're still in the year 2020. We're still on the yeah. telly. Uh, do yeah. you want to go short or long? Short, Claire. Short. Okay. Uh, yeah. This period drama became immensely popular after it was released on Netflix on Christmas Day of last year. And yeah. here is your short clip for two points. Well, she does seem to be someone with access. Who knows if Whistledown is even a she? Period drama became immensely popular. Yeah, um, Bridgerton. Bridgerton is the correct answer. Yes. Lovely. Lady Whistledown was the sort of a, a gossip columnist, um, and that's the mention there. And you get two points. Right, Thomas. Let's see what you can do now with music. We're in the charts from 2020. Um, are you going to go short or long? I'll go long. You go long. Okay. Certainly, right. certainly wouldn't. Certainly wouldn't be. <laughs> Wouldn't be your area of expertise. No, okay. absolutely not. Well, this, this huge hit inspired many a TikTok dance in 2020. And here's your long clip for one point. So the name of the song or the name of this singer? I haven't a clue. And you haven't a clue. Not a clue. clue right. 
Weekend, Blinding Lights is the name of the song. Weekend is the band or the performer. No, not a Iota. Do you know that has streamed 2,669,999,106 times on Spotify? Well, I wasn't one of them. No. <laughs> okay. Claire, now you, you can put it out of Thomas's reach. Okay. Um, but just getting anything here, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. So so it's in the charts. It's 2020. Are you going to go short or long? I'll go long. Sure. Yeah, yes. Uh, uh, this singer from Rathcool released this song in 2020, which peaked at number one in the Irish charts. And here is your long clip for one point. Which one? I knew from the I'm start. Sure you didn't know the one. Yeah, Dermot Kennedy. Say again. Dermot Kennedy. It is Dermot Kennedy. Yes, you get uh, one point. Brings you up to three. Thomas, you can't catch Claire. No. I... No. All right. Okay, we're going to send you out a couple of mugs, Thomas. Good. Uh, and listen, mind yourself. All right. And take it easy on the recovery, and have a great Christmas. All right. Thanks. For thanks, it. Thomas. Good luck, see you, bye, bye. Claire, well done. Yeah, lovely. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Thanks a million. Uh, uh, you're going yourself and a person of your choice to uh, yeah. Cliff House Hotel in Ardmore in West lovely. Waterford on the coast and you can find out what's in store for you. Uh, cliffhome.ie, cliffhome.ie. Lovely. Uh, brilliant. Okay, great talking to you. Great, thanks see a million, Bye, bye, okay, bye, bye, bye. 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 The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Email ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. The lady on the computer says Worcestershire. Yeah, not Worcester. I'm just, I'm not, not, not being, you know. Worcestershire. See, she says Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks. And somebody say Worcester, it's Worcestershire. Uh, anyway, um, we'll be talking to Ray and Alice in a moment, but first, a bit of this. Here you go, David Bowie, been used on an ad on the telly. Starman, I think it's for Chanel number no. four or some perfume like that. We're joined in studio by our relationship experts, Alison Keating, um, psychologist, and Ray O'Neill, psychoanalyst. Um, good afternoon to you both, thanks good for coming in. Ray. Now, move the, you move that microphone over just there a bit. Yeah, Cheers. there you go, yours is I'll fine. Just two metres distance. <laughs> That's where two metres <laughs> apart, and you came in with your, with your masks on, which is great. Okay, so uh, this one came in. Uh, it's not about uh, a couple couple, it's about a mother and daughter. Um, Hi, as a parent of a 22-year-old daughter, I'm finding it increasingly difficult to bond with her. I've always had a decent enough relationship with her up until a year ago. However, here's the problem. I'm bad cop, i.e. argument about her room, being disrespectful, rude and her overall sense of entitlement. She wouldn't even make a coffee for me. She tells me uh, how she hates me and loves her dad, who is the good cop. Uh, This is where my resentment peaks. My husband never backs me up whatsoever. I've sat down to talk about this on many occasions, but nothing changes. Uh, it almost like I'm parenting and he is the friend. Uh, the language that was used to me the other day was so nasty, yet he stood by and said nothing. I'm at breaking point with both of them at this stage. I have one other daughter who is the complete opposite. Any advice would be helpful. Alison, I'll start with okay. you. So there's a whole lot of dynamics going on here. And this mom is really hurt. Um, what I'd suggest is taking some time with her daughter and going out somewhere, like going for a walk and having a chat kind of shoulder to shoulder. Um, sometimes the house is a trigger point from like the messy room to leaving the cups around and all these things are trigger points. Um, and just start to reconnect um, and not even not even deal with the problem as such at first, just to kind of create that connection piece back where you actually remember that you both actually you know, do like each other. When someone's screaming, I hate you, it's pretty tough going. But the big one here is between herself and her husband. So it's that sense of kind of allyship in the relationship that he supports her um, and that I mean, sometimes a parent can kind of feel a little bit happy that the other child's like, oh, I prefer you, you're my friend. And it, sure, it's easier to be the friend than it is to be the parent. So this is a big conversation between the two of them about how she might feel betrayed by him and that the relationship started with them and she actually needs him to understand what's actually going on for her and that he also has to be the parent. We don't actually need cops in the house. We just need parents. <laughs> and it's not fair that one has to be the bad cop because yeah. even if you're not doing that, you're assumed. Even if you ask in a normal way, can you actually put that away? You're the bad cop. But if the dad asked it, she might say, yeah, OK, grand. I would have thought that by 22, that... The, the, the daughter would have come out the other side it, oh. she sounds like she's acting like a, a I don't, do you know what no I, I, I have to say 
what well, what we're seeing is there are a lot of adult children living at home in very unnatural situations. We've got parents working. We've got you know you know adult children trying to work or go to college. Everyone's in on top of each other. Everyone's knowing each other. And look, we've got the major roles here where the mom has to be the one saying, "Hey, pick up your stuff." So. There's a disconnection here on so many levels. And then at another level, the other daughter, who's kind of being the good kid, is also learning, I, I need to actually not cause any trouble for mum because it's actually causing problems with, you know, the sister and the husband. Yeah, I think Alison has, like, named a huge amount. The first thing is to talk with your daughter. I honestly, I trust people who say they hate me a lot more than the people who won't say it to my face. So th- there is something that your daughter trusts you to say the awful things, mm. whereas your husband mm. hasn't earned that trust yet. He's playing the nice guy and his chickens will come home to roost. I think what Alison suggests about having some time and just saying, look, it's OK if you hate me, it's OK. If I, but how do we respect each other? We're mm. living under the same roof. Talking to her as a young adult rather than as a child and hoping the best. With the husband, again, it's just like you have to decide, you know, think long term. Our daughters are going to move on. I'm here for life. Who do you want to hold on to? Because you don't have my back and that hurts me. And she has to keep saying that to him. It's not that I'm standing up for her. It's like, no, you're not standing up for me. And so the alliances need to be drawn. I also think the other daughter could be useful in terms of having a word with the dad and just going, look, dad, just from my point of view, here's what I see is going on. Sort of as a neutral observer. Exactly, Switzerland. Kofi yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Coffee> and Anne. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's, that's good advice, actually. That's good advice. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, but it happens in a lot of homes. Oh, of course it does, yes. It, I mean, this is as common, you know, it really is. Um, but it's just And really do you find from your work that, that that's often a fractious relationship, mother-daughter? It can be, but like Ray's saying, it's because the, I mean, it sounds weird, but it's like by her saying she hates her, she actually knows oh, yeah. that, you know, no matter she what say she that. says, yes, yeah. her mother will still love, love her. her. Yeah, it yeah. is a very complicated relationship, yeah. but it's one that can be nurtured. And I just think maybe it's shifting that dynamic from teenage kind of rebellion. So she's kind of still in that mode to actually both being, as Ray said, how do we find the respectful middle ground? This isn't working for me. This isn't working for you. I'm not the enemy here. Yeah. So let's let's come to somewhere where that okay. actually works for everyone. And I hope you find that place. Uh, now, um, Alison and Ray, my husband of 30 years recently said he had a one night stand 20 years ago. I knew something had happened, but think it was more than that owing to a series of events around that time. Uh, I'm attaching loss. I'm attaching loss to know what to do. I'm at a loss uh, as to know what to do. I'm devastated. My children are grown up and gone, so I feel quite alone. Ray. I suppose myself and Alison were talking about this outside and of course the burning question I would have is why yes. after 20 why? years why? Why? we had an interesting <laughs> conversation like I'm all about the truth yeah. but 20 years unfortunately 20 years of you're telling the truth has been actually 20 years of lies and that's where I think this caller is okay. stuck it's just like for the last two decades I had some idea but you never had the courage to tell me and it's the things we hide that end up becoming bigger things it could indeed have just been a one night stand but if it was just a one night stand which is itself devastating why keep it hidden for 20 years have you been in love with her we're just great at creating stories when we don't have the more of the facts so the either you make your decision to know nothing Mm. or you make your decision to go back and saying, look, you told me this, tell me it all. And that right. way I have, but, you know, there's risks I, I, attached yeah, to I'm that. I'm intrigued by the circumstances, mm. uh, you know, that brought it to light. Why did he, why did he say it after all this time? See, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that he did. I know where he's coming from, but I just think any type of big secrets, let's say the ultimate betrayal, you know, it, you know, especially sexually in a relationship. And she had a feeling. So maybe she's been hinting at this for a long time. She's been kind of saying, I know something happened. But then there's this sense of nearly like that she kind of was understanding because of the events that were happening at the time. Yeah. Um, so I think, look, perhaps... I, I feel there's more to this than what we're just seeing yeah. here. You know, this feeling of kind of devastation, I completely understand it. But what else? You know, what 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 is this loss really about? Um, did you feel you wanted to leave at that time? And now are you questioning it now that it's actually the truth? Is it that you can't sit with the truth because you're like, actually, that's how I felt at the time I did actually want to leave? Or can we make this work? Right. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I think um, obviously this is fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, and, and maybe there might be a bit of perspective. How, how do you get perspective on these things? I think, again, it's about having conversations, even though those conversations are really, really difficult, because as they say, our imaginations tend to build the worst stories. Mm. This could have been a clumsy Christmas party nonsense thing that absolutely meant nothing. Or it could have been some temptation or road less travelled. And unfortunately, mm. I'd say she's created the worst uh, kind of story here. Yeah. But you know what? No matter what, it still happened. So what does she say to him now? Because we're talking to her. I think maybe get someone to help them through it. I think, you know, talking with someone, you know, doing couples counselling might actually be a helpful space where it can be explored um, with that different perspective, outside perspective might actually be helpful. Okay. Again, this I suppose when someone wants to clear clear their conscience, which is a go, you know a very powerful thing to do, but it has consequences for the other people. Like mm. sometimes we very nobly kind of go, I just want to get the truth off my chest, but you know it goes from you yeah, onto yeah. somebody else, yeah. and that's where this person is stuck. So talk to a friend if you can't talk to your husband about this. Get some support from someone in your personal life so that you're slightly less alone. Are we, are we saying here that's not always the best to tell the truth? Timing is obvious. It depends. Like I, I, you know, every relationship—that's the thing with relationships—they are so different, and and the boundaries and what's acceptable in one relationship and what's acceptable in another. Like you just can't do a blanket. No, you, you can't. just okay. can't. Fair and enough. I, I hear understanding in this. You know, there was yeah. a sense that something had happened, and um, mm. maybe a kind of going into well, what was going on at that time, and to work through that. Uh, I really do hope it works out. Um, now, uh, we have time for this, we do. Um, every year we go to my in-laws for Christmas. I never feel comfortable there. I want to do Christmas at home in my own house with me, my husband and our son this year. Just the three of us. But my husband is having none of it. He says it wouldn't be fair on his mam who puts so much work in every year. I have very limited time off over Christmas and I just want to travel four. I don't want to travel four hours in the car to feel like a fish out of water for two days and then race back and get to work. I want to start our own traditions We've been going to them five years in a row and I don't see the harm in wanting a bit of a break. Am I wrong, Alison? No. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I mean, again, there's like a theme here today, isn't it? And it's very much a Christmas theme of, you know, it's kind of that sense of, are you beside me? Are you behind me as a couple? And he's taking, you know, and, and I appreciate Christmas is about family, but she's also asking... I want to spend Christmas with you. I want to have mm. a new tradition. Five years is a, is a good amount of time. I mean, did, I'm just wondering, did they share it with, on her side? So it seems to be that it's just been five years with his mother. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's when people get inflexible in relationships that it causes problems. There needs to be some flexibility as to why it's important to her and that he should want her to be comfortable on Christmas and not actually not want his mother to be uncomfortable. Isn't that a big thing as well? That she's a very short time off yeah. and she feels uncomfortable for, and then she's back to work. Absolutely. Oh, but so this yeah. is why for a lot of people Christmas holidays aren't actually holidays because yeah. between all They're the chores, nonsense yeah. yeah, we get caught up in. I mean just to say very quickly there's this thing that you may know about called COVID. You can be a close contact on Christmas Eve <laughs> call in an alert and then it's the perfect excuse. That's I, a lot. Lie, I'll be lie, using right? it but it's a white lie I suppose one of the things here is to, is to be very clear with the husband and just say I'm willing to compromise but I'm not doing two days and you have to hold firm I've done mm. this for five years I'm not doing it so either we but it's come a four to, hour trip yeah. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean and it's two days but it's just a matter of if she makes some change this year yeah. then there's more likely to be more change next year so, so she, she wants to ask him for some concession absolutely and okay. it, you know which is only fair Yes, it is only fair. Uh, good luck with that and happy Christmas. Mm-hmm. And happy Christmas to you, Alison Keith. Happy, happy Christmas. 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 That's it from us. Um, Sarah and Cormac are on the way on Drive Time. We are back tomorrow at three o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday evening. It's the Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1.